Hi guys, it's Laura with the trigger warnings for this episode. We are putting warnings on this one for suicide, sexual assault, molestation, divorce, and trauma. So please take care of yourselves and we are putting in the episode notes the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So call for help if you need it. Thanks. And the last thought that he had that morning as he closed his eyes was, I hope the tornado hit the moose. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. Well, bam! <laughs> I'm in the right track. I kept, I kept recording in your track, and not that it would, it wouldn't be easy to just move the tracks around. But I was like, no, no, I want to be. This is not. What I don't want to have to do. I don't want my future self to have to deal with that. Yeah. Listen, be kind to yourself. That's just the theme of everything, I guess. It's the beam of everything. <laughs> Believe in yourself, believer. Do you guys remember? Justin Bieber. Yeah, that dude, wasn't he on, like, he was, listen, he was on some show recently. He's relevant, kind of, but not really. Yeah, no, he's remained relevant. Yeah, like, which is astonishing, actually. I would not recognize him in person, on the streets, on a TV show at all. I don't think I would be like, there's the Bieber. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, Bieber damn. I believe her. <laughs> I believe her. That's the Bieber. Eh. No, I'm just <laughs> Um, recently I got TikTok and I, okay, listen, I'm browsing on BookTok. I do not have the balls to like post on BookTok yet because I'm, I'm, I don't know know if you've picked this up listeners, but I'm a private person. I don't like strangers knowing things about me. Yeah. Maybe one day though. And if I do, you can bet I'm going to promote it on this podcast. Nice. Well, I'll have you know that even though I'm younger than you, uh, not that that matters, but I don't have a TikTok, so when you say, like, I'll post on BookTok, that doesn't make any sense to me, because I didn't even know that was a thing you could do in oh. TikTok. Like, can you post to certain channels? I mean, it's it's like a thing? tag. It's like, you know, on Twitter, how you say there's, like, math Twitter, or, like... <laughs> and I Twitter. Say, yeah, exactly, back Twitter. I bring up math Twitter because I recently met up with some friends that I went to a math study abroad program with, and one of them said these words to me. There's been some drama recently on math Twitter about circles in Hawaii. And I was like, what the fuck are you saying? God. Dude, I feel the same. I felt the same way when our mutual friend and previous guest on the podcast, Carmen, yes. turned to me and said, I'm pretty sure the 88 rising is the face of Bober liberalism. And I was yeah. like, uh, those are all words and none of them make sense together. And I was just like, uh, like and I, I feel was, like th- I was there. That was the same for you. I was there, and there was a, a second of silence. Or I, and in that second, I was like, "Oh my god, everybody knows what this means except for me." <laughs> <laughs> no, and in reality, I was like, "What the shit?" So your friend turned to you and he was like, "There's a dis- there's an argument on math tw- Twitter about circles in Hawaii," and you're like, "Holy shit, were there not circles what? in Hawaii?" Yeah, are there? Are what, what about them? Is there? What's being debated? The existence. He, Told no, that's, they're not regular circles. They're like math extra circles. But it also had something to do what? with like, like an indigenous person being spoken over, and then also clapping back. And it sounded entertaining, but I can't repeat it because I can't tell. I don't comprehend what happened. Uh, awesome.
So I think we kind of already had an introduction. We talked about Bieber, and honestly, what more do you want from us? Yeah. What what what, do you, what kind of podcast do you think this is? The Everything Podcast? Nah. Nah. Try again. It's Red and Rainbow. Mm. And what do we do on this podcast, Laura? Well, we read books that <laughs> uh, you're supposed to read in high school or middle school or wherever. And we try to dissect why we had to read them. Was it worth it? Was it not? And uh, we give our own little opinions about them. Yeah. Just our own two cents. Yeah. And uh, this month we read Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Yeah. We sure wow. did. Wow. And guess what, Laura? What? I read this in school <gasps> in second grade. Shut up. No way. In second grade, our teacher was... Re- well, and it wasn't even me who read it. Our, I, I don't know if this is normal, but in the second grade, we had like story time. Oh, yeah. So this is the book that she read aloud to us. Um, oh, yeah. That was a totally a thing. That must have been when your audiobook uh, habits started up. Because I was like, mm, this is yeah. chill, but I kind of fell asleep and I don't know what she said. Okay. I just want to say... Um, I'm going to jump a little ahead and say that I, I remember liking this book in second grade Mm -hmm. and listening to this, I did like it. But when I was looking up facts about the book and the author, I like it a lot less because listen, Gary Paulson is a freaking weirdo. (laughs) No offense, but like he, uh, he's just lived. Okay. According to Wikipedia, they use he, his pronouns. I'm just going to go based off of that. But Gary Paulson's life was just filled with lots of trauma. Oh. And apparently, like, listen, it says biography. Um, One day while his mother was napping, Gary sneaked outside to play. There, a vagrant snatched him and apparently <gasps> attempted to molest him. But his mother suddenly appeared <gasps> on the scene and beat the man to death. Like, hello? What? And then he went to the Philippines because Gary's father sent for him and his mother to come join him in the Philippines after World War II ended. And Gary witnessed a plane crash. He, his mother, and the people who were also being transported on a ship looked on as many of the plane's passengers were killed or maimed by the sharks who would (gasps) follow the ship, consuming waste. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Wait, he... I know, I also I, like this is not the most shocking thing, but I also want to draw attention to his Wikipedia page. He's written over two hundred books. Yeah, what? and also apparently he's a playwright. Oh, he's one and of also, ours. Yeah, he's one of us. We gotta claim that one. Great. But also, Hatchet is part of a saga, and isn't Hang it on. Like, the second one? Hold on, hold on. You're no, you're encroaching okay, in my sorry. territory. The book fact. Well, I'm taking hurry, it from quickly. Here. Say your thing. Because this man's crazy. I am taking it from here, okay? Because, listen, okay. I did not read Hatchet in school. I read R- The River, which is the second book. I did not finish it, though, because I thought it was boring. But, <laughs> listen, 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 listen. This series has five books in total, okay? But it is not a continuous timeline. And I don't mean it's told non-linearly. No. This third book is picks up at the end of the first book if... Spoiler alert, Brian had not been rescued. So books three, four, and five are on an alternate timeline than book two. Oh, that is oh nuts gosh, to me. I don't know why he did it. It's because so many fans, I guess, wrote into Gary Paulson and complained that there was a Do Ex Machina ending to book one. So he was like, well, I'll fix it by adding a third book that is a different timeline. That is banana. Also... That like I gotta read these other books because they sound like a very crazy ride. And like, listen, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert for the last one. 
like Brian gets into this like mind game with a bear. Like a bear kills a family. He goes and hunts the bear. He like wrestles oh with God. it. And he's like 16 in that book. He's 13 in this book. These books cover three years of his life. I don't understand. Okay, but here, also listen, listen. Okay. So, like, it says, um, Paulson described several traumatic occurrences that transpired during the three years that are chronicled in the book uh, Eastern Sun, Winter Moon, an autobiographical odyssey. <gasps> and then, later, it says, the accounts in Eastern Sun ended when Gary and his mother left Manila. Bits and pieces of Gary's adolescence can be pieced together in Guts, colon, the true stories behind Hatchet and the Brian books. So basically, <gasps> this man, but also read uh, to the readers. And, what, yes, and readers. To, and. to the listeners, what's in the back of your book. Because again, I'm just like, oh my God. Yes. Okay, in this book, this is like hard copy that I have here. That's the book, okay? In the back. ASMR right now. There's this little, this is little, just a contribution from the author. It's, I don't know why. No one's interviewing him. It just says, Gary Paulson <laughs> writes to say about it. Hatchet. Like, what, what makes Hatchet stand out for me was the research I did, or rather lived, for the book. I've been in forest landings in light plains and had to survive in the woods with little or nothing. Virtually everything that happens oh to God. Brian in the book has happened in one form or another to me. Just in the process of living. And at first, I was like, oh, that sounds kind of pretentious. But now that you said all that stuff, it all makes Yeah, sense. now that we know that he's seen a airplane full of passengers getting eaten and maimed by sharks. Yeah, I, that, that makes complete sense. Let me continue. Okay, Gary Paulson. But first, but there are two things that I made myself sit down and do as pure research. First, I ate a raw turtle egg. What? He describes that he was sitting on the porch. He watched this turtle walk up and lay eggs and go away. And he was like, I knew they were fresh. And so he took one and ate one. Thank God. Right there. <laughs> and if you're wondering, the oh second my thing he did, he made himself do was he made a fire with a rock and a hatchet, which Brian has to figure out in this book. It's it, what? Who is this guy? God, that's just in well, this book. Like, well, and that makes me to think of two things. First of all, I feel like those are two very different things to be like, I will now research this. Because if you're eating a turtle egg, that's like inflicting harm by eating something. In like this fragile very... ecosystem. In this very, very yeah. fragile and dangerous ecosystem. Because I feel like it's one thing if it was like, I just experienced this and I had no choice. I had to eat the turtle's egg. Mm -hmm. But this is just like, no, I could have just gone in my house and opened my fridge and had... Milk and it's it's almost water. it's almost worse that it's not premeditated, right? Because it's not like he 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 didn't have any intentionality of it. He wasn't like, oh, I need a turtle egg. Like maybe I can go to the wildlife reserve. I don't know. I talk to a ranger. I know they'd say no. But and like, see if I can eat a real yeah, yeah. Like maybe one that's gonna like go to waste. I don't know. But instead, <laughs> he was just sitting on his porch, saw one. He was like, oh, how serendipitous! And like went and got it. He's like, oh, thank goodness, I needed to research something for my oh. book. And also, that's a freaking commitment. Oh, my like, God. Like, people talk about method acting. Yeah. Talk about method authoring. Well, because don't worry, don't worry, because he said, I cut the end off, held it up to my mouth without looking, and slurped it down. Ugh. Or I tried to. It got hung up about halfway down my throat. And Ew, I had to work really, what? really hard to get it all the way down. Oh, my gosh. I also, like, don't <gasps> understand the development of turtle eggs. So I'm like, how viscous was this... How oh, developed? Oh, let me tell and you. And he, there's more details. It tasted oh something God. like old motor, motor oil or tired Vaseline. What is tired Vaseline? I don't. I don't know, know what that means. <laughs> Weary Vaseline. God. Weary chapstick. Yeah, harried Vaseline. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, like, so those are all words that are in this book, and like he's not even prompted. It just says he writes about Hatchet. What? What? 
What? I just... I feel like this book's author and book fact section is so much more exciting than any any. Honestly, other no, dude. I was so, so ready to just like when we were doing because I had to find my my book fa- or my author fact real quick, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna browse like the first like you know paragraph of Wikipedia. But then like I had to read on. I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? what about? A vagrant kidnapped you and tried to molest you and your mom beat... What is this? Bates Motel? What What the freaking frack? And, like, okay, the Wikipedia page for the book itself is very boring. It just says, Hatchet is a 1986 Newbery Honor winning young adult. We'll do this about, like... And it has the plot and nothing else. It just blah, 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 blah. I was like, God, I don't have nothing for this podcast. But then, yeah, I just... It just uncovered more and more. And I was like, what is happening? Okay, well, okay. Speaking of... The description for Hatchet, that may be the Wikipedia one, but let me read you the Goodreads one. Are you ready? Okay. Hatchet, Brian Saga number one by Gary Paulson. Gary, nope, not Gary. (laughs) No, not Gary. The main character's (laughs) name is not Gary. Brian is on his way to Canada to visit his estranged father when the pilot of his small prop plane suffers a heart attack. Brian is forced to crash land the plane in a lake and finds himself stranded in the remote Canadian wilderness with only his clothing and the hatchet his mother gave him as a present before his departure. Do you remember that time when you could just walk into planes with a freaking hatchet? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Brian had been distraught over his parents' impending divorce and the secret he carries about his mother, but now he is truly desolate and alone. Exhausted, terrified, and hungry, Brian struggles to find food and make a shelter for himself. He has no special knowledge of the woods, and he must find a new kind of awareness and patience as he meets each day's challenges. Is the water safe to drink? Are the berries he finds poisonous? Slowly, Brian learns to turn adversity to his advantage. An invading porcupine unexpectedly shows him how to make fire. A devastating tornado shows him how to retrieve supplies from the submerged airplane. Most of all, Brian leaves behind the self-pity he has felt about his predicament as he summons the courage to stay alive. A story of survival and of transformation, this riveting book has sparked many a reader's interest in venturing into the wild. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It says the porcupine showed him how to start fires. Yeah, I I guess when he got freaking quilled and threw a rock at it. I know, it, or he threw, but... his, he threw his hatchet, and it's just, I know. So I know, the porcupine startled him, he threw his hatchet, and the hatchet sent sparks on the wall. And so he realized, oh, I have fire. But I just think it's funny. Yeah, but this makes it seem like a Pocahontas level, like, and then the porcupine spoke to me and... and gave me fire on his my... quills. Like, no, that's not how it happened. Um... Also, I just want to say, like, I do, I would agree with this blurb where it's like, it's interesting throughout the book to hear about Brian, like, reevaluating what his life and, like, his priorities and how he thinks about himself. But I think it's kind of toxic to say, like, he leaves behind the self-pity he felt about his predicament. Like, listen, children of divorce Mm -hmm. have trauma, and it's okay if their only trauma is being a child of divorce and not, like, I had to freaking talk to a porcupine to get fire yeah. and like shit my brains out after eating some berries like listen any <laughs> trauma is valid trauma mm-hmm. you don't need to start comparing it and be like you pathetic yeah nasty what your parents aren't together anymore you're gonna cry and you're like uh yes it's really sad yeah like I'm on scarred. its own it is traumatic and it changes you like forever and that's fair and valid and like upsetting and the- so i'm just saying that's a little toxic yeah. goodreads god 
Um, yeah, quite a bit happens in this book. And yeah, if I were, I think that's a pretty comprehensive overview of what Yeah, I would say the so. They, they gave examples of like everything he does. But yeah. Lord, do you think it's missing anything? Uh, let me look. Let me, let me look. Okay, so my summary would say that Brian is a 13-year-old boy. Um, his mom puts him on a charter plane or I don't know, some other type of plane that only contains him and a pilot to go spend his summer with his dad in Canada. You know, that sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also, only he knows why his parents are getting divorced. And he's aware that his mom's having an affair. He has not told his dad. because, and I, But his dad doesn't know. But, like, I don't know if the mom knows. There's a lot that's kind of unclear about that situation. But Brian is holding that within yeah. himself. Um, the airplane pilot, he's a, he's a kindly old geezer. Uh, he lets Brian fly the plane for, like, five seconds. Like... Not autopilot, not autopilot. It's Brian, Brian pilot. Um, but then, like ten minutes later, he has a, a heart attack mid-flight. Um, so Brian is now flying the plane for real for like several million hours. Um, he veers very, very. This is so hard. He veers very far off course. Uh, he crash lands near an L-shaped lake, and they just keep calling it the L-shaped lake. And I wish they would give it a real name. Um, if it was just L Lake, I just don't want to call it L-shaped lake. Um, he is there for 54 days um, 54 days 54 nights maybe so that's several weeks but he learns to survive by doing like shit like I don't know weaving a wall for his house and like he builds a fish enclosure it's very like it's very top level engineering um, he hones his senses he hunts birds that he calls fool birds <laughs> um, but yeah and his, fi- his final struggle in the wilderness is that he uh, manages to un- See, like to excavate the survival pack that's inside of the plane um, since it was kicked up by a storm. And so he goes into the plane and comes back out with it. And that pack contains an emergency transponder. So he manages to be rescued because he turns it on. Um, but he's like been forever altered. He's like traumatized. His senses are, you know, his senses yeah, are just so hard. It's fucking too late. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's a great ending for his time in the wilderness that when the pilot shows up, he says, My name is Brian Robeson. Would you like something to eat? <laughs> so polite. <laughs> like, what? And that's it. Like, it just, that is the end of his time in the wilderness. Um, but he goes back and his yeah. parents are still divorced. And the last line is that he, like, always keeps the secret inside of him. Like, he never tells his dad. And that's pretty, Which is... that's, that's like a little bleak. Yeah. I have to say. Which I'm also, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the divorce works. So, yeah. but I so I'm running under the assumption that like the mom was like, "I want to end things," and the husband's like, "Why?" And she's like, "I just don't love you anymore," yeah. and d- just never revealed like I have another. I've taken another lover. Yeah. But like, I think you should just tell your dad. I mean, I guess I don't think it sucks that Brian is the one who feels like he has to tell his yeah. dad. I'd be like, I if I were Brian, I'd be like, "Mom, you tell him you." Yeah. Lady like as who, it is, I think. like not. I'm not saying if y'all don't love each other, then like don't be together. But like maybe don't end it by cheating. Maybe end it first and then go not cheat and be with the person you want to. You know. Yeah. I know. Like I think I'm as it being... is, it sounds like Brian is keeping it with himself. Like he's not really told his mom or his dad, and I think he just doesn't want that guilt of like being the reason they like are broken up. But um, he doesn't really know what to do with it. And this kid needs therapy before beginning and after this excursion. So yeah. Um, okay, that was another thing though. So like. um... You were saying, like, he needs therapy, like, from the get-go. And I'm just saying, yeah. like, if I were him, for me, this reminds me of, like, 
everyone's got like an apocalypse plan or like a survival plan. Mm-hmm. And my my plan, pass away. Be done. Oh, I, because, uh, yeah, I know. Like, like with Brian, like he survived all this, but now he's like, I haven't read the future books, but you know this boy is messed up. Mm-hmm. But in the second book, because remember, we're still on the same timeline. He has is that living at home, but he gets tapped by the government. They're like, hey, actually, we want you to like go on what? another survival wilderness trip with us so that we can observe your techniques and learn from you on how to survive in the woods. Oh my <laughs> because gosh. they're best resource. For survival, thirteen-year-old boy, thirteen-year-old genius, is this thirteen-year-old child of divorce? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I remember getting to the part where, like, oh, they sent him in the wilderness with like another dude, and I thought, oh, it's just another like observer. No, they send him with a psychologist. Okay. They send him with a psychologist, <laughs> and then something goes horribly wrong, and so he has to survive like for real again. <laughs> it's a wild saga. Uh, the third book is, well, what if it picks up as with, as if Brian was still in his shelter in the winter. <laughs> wow. So as if, as if he did not get rescued with the emergency transponder and he had to go into oh, the winter. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a bold move to be like, come readers, you remember how the last book also ended horribly because he had to get like re-traumatized just for the government to learn things. Mm-hmm. Now let's pretend none of that happened, and yet he's still traumatized. Good God. I feel like we kind of already slipped into unanswered questions, but... Yeah. um, Basically, if you were Brian, what would you do? And I'm telling you, I would pass away. I would be like, you know what? Yeah. I... Yeah. No. No. I would... um, Yeah, do my best... Um, but I have horrible, like, sensitive skin, so I'd probably break out in, like, those mosquitoes, that would make me want to- Yeah, oh my gosh, That would be the end of me. I would get that, I would get infected immediately. Um, yeah, I would just die from a skin- I'd die of dysentery, probably. Yeah. I have that, I have horrible allergies, (laughs) I have, like- What other- My unanswered question, my unanswered question is, what, what are the various reasons why you would not survive (laughs) in the wilderness? Number one, sensitive skin. Number two, (laughs) lactose intolerant. Number three, phobia of bugs. Listen, listeners, sensitive skin to sun, to bugs, to like, like uh, new fabrics. Like it's, it's not good. Um, I would not survive. Uh, a cool breeze. I break out. I would probably, my glasses would probably break in the crash so that I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to see. Yeah. I won't, yeah, dude. Okay. Yeah. That's number one. Like, yeah, I'm not even, I'd be fine. Cause I'm not super blind without my glasses. Yeah. I just want to be able great. to see things far away, but you know what would kill me? The fucking moose. If I can't see things far away, I got that moose. Listen, bottom line, bad eyes. Yeah. Number one reason why I wouldn't survive. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, and then third thing is that I'm hungry all the time. And, and <laughs> Yeah. Um so I would definitely need I'm eating right now. Yeah. That's And it. guess what? It's not berries that are gonna make me poop myself. Mm-hmm. It's goldfish. Yeah. Um, did you have any unanswered questions, Laura? Okay, I guess my question was like, is it really possible to completely lose track of a plane? But I guess the answer is yes, because there's that Malaysia flight. Um, yeah, that it lasts over the ocean. Line. But that's over like the ocean. Like I feel like over land, maybe I don't know. I don't. These are all feelings I have. They're not like <laughs> evidence or facts, you know. Yeah. Honestly, anytime I get on a plane, I do worry about disappearing. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> I always get on a plane and I like look around, especially if I'm traveling alone, and I think to myself, if we got in a lost type situation, none of these people would have my back. They don't fucking know me. 
No, I know. Um, let's see. Why are mace such a problem? Okay, listeners, in this book, there's a day where Brian is like out hunting fool birds, and he's like stooping by the water to like get some get a drink, and then he gets like run over by a moose, and moose meeson are I've learned are like bigger than cars. <laughs> They're gigantic. Yeah, they're And then huge. he, like, gets up to, like, try to, like, like recover. And the moose runs him over again. He's like, stay down. So Ryan just has to, like, lie there until it leaves. Thanks, TikTok, for showing us our number one fear. Yeah. I saw, and then I watched a TikTok on, like, t- terrifying meese and, and moose. They can ru- they can sprint through snowbanks, like, top speed. <laughs> that is terrifying. Um, any more unanswered questions? Uh... Yeah. Okay. So I have one like. I have two. I have two like lighter ones than one like real real big brain one. Okay. The lighter ones. So do you think this fantastic educator Perpitch? It's not Mister or Mrs. Perpitch. It's just Perpitch. Do you think that they ever got the thanks that they deserved? I think it is he. He does say he. Um, because he his mindset saved Brian's life. <laughs> like, um, do you think he really got his thanks ever? No. No, I don't think so either. Probably Brian came back and was like, oh, you want to be fucking acknowledged for something you said? You're pathetic. You're self-pitying. Try <laughs> surviving on your own. I think, bitch. I feel like he would be like... I think Brian has become a soulless, like, he's just like, really? He's like, experienced such a traumatic thing that he has no empathy for anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, all traumas are valid. Yeah. I think, I know, I think that he would probably be like, oh, well, that's the Brian from before, and I'm the Brian now. Um, and, like, unironically, I think that's what he's saying. Yeah, no, same. Uh, he's, like, split himself into before and before. after. Yeah. yeah. Um, next question. So he talks about his bed of pine bows, I assume, like, pine branches. Aren't those, like, pokey? I feel like if you have enough of them, it's, like, that thing, that trick that you see. With, like, nails? Yeah, oh, like, a, a bed, bed of nails. nails. And then you can just lie there because there's enough pressure points that they all, like, spread out, disperse the fact that you're laying on a bed of nails. Sure. Things. Sure, but still, if you, like, roll over the wrong and you, like, open your eyeball, <laughs> you got, like, all these things. I just also imagine, lot, like, you roll over onto your face and open your eyes <laughs> just for fun. I don't know, like... I just think it's dangerous. Um, no, but I think, like, if you think about the forest floor, you see it's covered in pine needles and stuff. Like, it is pretty soft. I'm going to look it up. Pine needle bed. Is it is it boughs as in B-O-U-G-H? Yeah. Also, like, if you're tired enough, who gives a shit if there's a needle in your eye? Oh, this is like a thing. Like, survival slumber DIY beds for camping. How to make an evergreen bow bed. Wow. Okay. Well, I obviously know nothing. Wow. This is, this is, wow. <laughs> you, like, put logs and line them up and, like, line them on. God, I learned something today. Just by asking a question. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Power of learning. Okay, last question. Um, I guess I am perplexed by, like, the Ryan refers to it as the secret, capital S, um, of knowing, you know, about his mom's affair. Like, how do you think it played out? with his survival because he is obviously worrying about it a lot when he gets on the plane. Um, he thinks about it sometimes when he's surviving, but then like it kind of goes away. Um, and he really just brings it back at the end of the book when he mentions, Oh, but my parents still got divorced and I still have the secret. Uh, I guess like, what, what, what's the point? What do you think is going on? 
that was something else I was wondering too, because like apparently according to Wikipedia, Hatchet is like largely based on a lot of Gary Paulson's personal experiences, mm -hmm. maybe not getting in a plane crash, but having to learn how to survive in the wilderness. And I guess his parents are somewhat, okay. Remember when he was on that ship and he saw a plane crash and all yeah. the passengers get mauled and maimed by sharks? Um, apparently, his mother, the only woman aboard the ship he was on, helped care for the surviving victims from the plane crash. After arriving in Hawaii, according to Paulson, his mother began an affair with the ship's corpsman. So, what? my guess is it's largely autobiographical. I don't really know if it has necessarily like a literary device yeah. type like learning thing i think he was just like well season the character up with the yeah pinch of the divorce because i think it did ground brian like i'm not saying it, it shouldn't have been in there i think it was very interesting mm -hmm. but um yeah i don't it, there wasn't really a resolution there it was just kind of part of mm -hmm. brian and part of his character yeah i agree like i don't i'm not saying that you were saying that it shouldn't be yeah. in there but i think you, when we think about the gr great gatsby and how like the green knight oh my has God this symbolism i don't think there's symbol i don't think there's intended to be symbolism with brian being uh a child of divorce i think he just that was just something that like paulson added to the character yeah because again he was like this is part of who i am i can envision this character mm -hmm. and i've had this experience myself yeah and i think brian was a fairly i mean fairly realistic character this is i mean this is obviously written before the age of like cell phones and like pokemon go and stuff so he's not like thinking about that type of stuff he's just thinking about oh i want to go ride my bike and go eat burgers and stuff i do think that is all my questions nice well let's move on to takeaways and judgments dun 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 yeah <laughs> Okay, I kept thinking of this book in relation to other things. Like, I was like, oh, this is just like Starve Alive, the video game. But it's also just like Stardew Valley, except terrifying. And it's also just like Lord of the Flies, except there's only one, Lord. <laughs> Honestly, though, I thought this was much more interesting than Lord of the yeah, Flies. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe because it was just one guy and we didn't have to bounce around and give a shit about... I think that was one thing, especially since I'm listening yeah. to it. Like, I had one character to give a shit about mm -hmm. and to, like, know... who. Because it's just him alone in the woods. Yeah. And, right? and I so, mean, like, this is a survival book. Like, this, I think this is a genre. Like, it's um, yeah. much more about the nature and about, like, the problem solving and the learning and mistakes and stuff. And, like, that is interesting and engaging. Um, Lord of the Flies was very much about, like, the social aspect, which is just kind of harder yeah, like, to grasp sometimes. <laughs> and about the power struggles between these kids. Well, so then I think one of my questions. Well, not questions is, but something I am considering as we're talking about takeaways and judgments and, like, we ask that big question that we always ask of, like, why did they teach us in schools? Because, obviously, some of the books that we've read are, like, very heavily handed. Uh, they're there to teach, like, literary devices and sociology, like Lord of the Flies mm -hmm. or, like, The Great Gatsby. But this one just seems to be, like, like giving into the... I feel like it's like a guilty pleasure read. Like people love a good survival story yeah. or like a arc or something. Like that's why we have so many TV shows like Naked and Afraid, mm -hmm. The Survivor or like Survivor Man or all those other ones like reality. <laughs> yeah. Why are you laughing at me? Survivor Man. <laughs> Isn't that that's, my, that's my superhero name. Survivor Man. All I do is just survive. 
How are you today, Survivor Band? Oh, I'm surviving. <laughs> I'm doing what I can. Oh my god. Um, no, I agree. I think that like it, it there's like certain expectations. Like you know he like you know that whatever setbacks he faces, like he'll find a way to overcome them, and like there will be new knowledge and new skills he picks up. Like it's very satisfying to like it is satisfying to see him figure out how to make a fire, and then once he gets there, then he can he has time to do all these other things. Yeah. Well, and I will also say so like. The Goodreads blurb. Mm-hmm. The Goodreads blurb was like, "This riveting book has sparked many readers, many a reader's interest in venturing into the wild," and that's fucking true for me too. Mm-hmm. I was also like, "I wonder if I could survive." I kind of want to go out and try it now. I just learned about fucking <laughs> go bow find beds. a turtle I egg. Go, yeah, I better go suck out the innards of a turtle egg. Yeah. So just slam it back. Um, but I'm trying. Yeah, like I'm thinking, why was I being read this in second grade? I think I think there's a lot to be said about the problem solving, about like how he learns what works and what doesn't, um, and he really mm. a lot of the work he does is internal. Like he, yeah, like he remembers what his teacher said about keeping a positive mind frame and evaluating what his assets are. Um, yeah, he does reflect back. a lot about like, oh, this is what I learned in school, or like, oh, here are like large life lessons or universal truths mm-hmm. that I need to like keep in mind. So I see that as like a intended takeaway. Sure. And he, I think, I wrote down for my takeaways and judgments, actually, some themes that you could, like, harp on if you were a teacher. Um, Like, there's man versus wilderness. Like, you know, there's this interplay between him and, like, his protagonist, or, I mean, antagonist is, like, the wilderness and all of the dangers Mm. it presents. But he finds ways to overcome it. Um, Like, because, listen, it's it's over if he gets cut, if he gets, like, injured, if he loses his eyes, if he, like, if it gets a little colder, it's over. But also, like, the wilderness versus, like, technology and stuff. Because I thought it was actually super interesting when he gets the survival pack out of the plane, which is already a big, like, personal achievement for him as the protagonist, like, having survived that endeavor. He finds a lot of technology, like, matches and a gun. But he holds the gun and he... I actually want to bring it up. Oh, I remember this part. Yeah, I also... Yeah. Um, it was a strange feeling holding the rifle. It somehow removed him from everything around him. Without the rifle, he had to fit in to be a part of it all, being like nature, to understand it and use yeah. it. The woods, all of it. With the rifle, suddenly, he didn't have to know. He did not have to be afraid or understand. He didn't have to get close to a fool to kill it. He didn't have to know how it would stand if he didn't look at it and moved off to the side. The, the rifle changed him the minute he picked it up. And he wasn't sure he liked the change yeah. very much. I think, so, I think that could be another theme is the, like, yeah, technology I and, like, convenience of modern life versus the wild and how, like, he's all of a sudden, he's not part of that nature world anymore, that outside world anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he has the gun in his hand. And the little, like, liberal in me is just like, and it's about gun violence yeah. and how it totally removes you from the situation. But I'm not sure, I don't know Gary Paulson's political views or alignment. Yeah. But I would like to choose to say that it is making a comment about how, mm-hmm. if we look at power dynamics and everything, how they are shifted yeah. with the tools that we have. Yeah. And like how, you know, having matches in his hands, he's like, well, that he's reflecting how it erases all of his accomplishments because he's like, he worked so hard to like learn how to make mm-hmm. fire and then actually making the fire, just like Gary Paulson, took several hours. <laughs> Meese are problems. That's a big takeaway. Um, there's, yeah. I think like this book needs a warning because he tries to commit suicide and like on screen in terms of the book. Like he mentions he tries to use the hatchet, this the, the title of the book to like to commit suicide. Oh, so, okay, it's right after, there was, is a moment where a plane goes over him, but he's not able to catch the plane's attention. Right, I remember that, yep. Okay, 
Uh, when the plane had come and gone, it had put him down, gutted him, and dropped him, and left him with nothing. The rest of that first day, he had gone down and down till dark. He had let the fire go out. He had forgotten to eat even an egg. Had let his brain take him down to where he was done, where he wanted to be done and done, to where he wanted to die. He had settled into the gray funk deeper and still deeper until finally in the dark, he had gone up to the ridge and taken the hatchet and tried to end it by cutting himself. And then he, and like, then it goes on how he's like, but he, he couldn't do it. Like, he is alive still. Um, but I was like, oh, mm. my God. Did your teacher read that out loud to your classroom? Obviously, as, as a second grader, I blocked it out. And even now, because I don't remember hearing that. I Damn. can't believe I, I have a hard time believing they would read it. But, like, I can't believe yeah. that's in here. Dude. Yeah. Again, as a second grader, like, I again, even second I've graders I don't mentioned. Think <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned that I don't really understand what kids of any age should and shouldn't or like what the general norm is of what mm -hmm. kids of any age are are and are not allowed to see but that sounds pretty heavy for a second grader yeah so this book needs a suicide warning and you know and like the suicide hotline number on stuck on the front <laughs> yeah actually uh, you know what i remember in second grade i was definitely making jokes all the time where, like, Annika would come home and she'd be like, hey, where's mama? And I'd be like, she died. That was just a joke that I made, like, all the time. Like, anyone, hey, where's this person? They died. I'm like, oh, my. So, at the, I guess, I guess it's fine. I've, I've said that, well, this was, like, in more of my college age, but I had a friend who, like, when it would be, we would be like, oh, do you want, like, pepperoni or sausage for pizza? Oh, I don't know. Then die. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> the, or guess I'll die. <laughs> So I guess it's fine. Yeah, that's most of my takeaways. I think, yeah, I think it's interesting that the way he overcomes these challenges after that horrifying moment is that he really learns to be part of nature. Um, and that involves, like, letting go of future thoughts and past thoughts. Like, he um, just focuses on the now and his senses. But in order to get that to that point, he had to really let go of hope and let go of, like, um, thinking about his old life. Uh, which really changed him forever overall the character is pretty engaging and pretty interesting um whoa whoa sounds like you're rating it do you want to get into ratings officially <gasps> maybe let's go there <laughs> Laura, go ahead. Continue on. You said there is good character development. Yes. What else did you like? What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was very strong character development. Um, The style of this book is very much stream of consciousness where it's really mm -hmm. a lot of repeated words where he's just like repeating things and it sounds very redundant. It was hard at the beginning when he's just get, like, you know, getting on his plane and thinking about his life. But it makes more sense the more he's in nature, especially with those themes of like living in the moment and letting go of like other other thoughts that are not as helpful so it it yeah when you you see he starts using his before time the before time thought process and everything as a distraction mm -hmm. so that, then it's probably yeah it's probably more engaging to read because at first it's just like constant repetition and like inner thoughts and maybe like pervasive thoughts mm -hmm. but then as he's going through all these Ex all, as all these other external forces are affecting him, you see that he's finding comfort in these thoughts that were once pervasive. Yeah. Um, I think also it's interesting. I mean, you know, this is a book really without dialogue. You know, whenever you're in one character's head and nobody else is there, you're kind of like, <laughs> you better enjoy the, you better enjoy listening to that one character's thoughts. Yeah. And I, 
I've said before, I don't like, I don't like books where people just sit around thinking. Um, but this it yeah. obviously works in this context in the survival wilderness thing. Okay, so what would you rate it out of 10 then? Eight out of 10. This is a very neutral character. I mean, there is like a lot of like basis and there's, it's a grounded character, but also it's a presumably white boy mm-hmm. character in Canada. Um, yep. With like, I mean, like a middle class background mm-hmm. that is like, uh, as often seen as the neutral and like a blank slate but it's not it's so far from universal you know um yeah so i think that you know obviously in this tale you have to pick like one character like you can't reflect everybody's experience or like all genders and like race yeah and economic like and like get into all of that like it would be a very different story if this was like a 13 year old girl and like yeah no i was or, about to th- i was you know, me like oh my gosh 13 year old like indigenous person or a 13 year old yeah. Um, well, especially like someone who didn't speak English, but like needed to like you make it. I don't know. There's a lot of layers to that, you know. Well, yeah, and especially like not to make broad generalizations, but a 13 year old female from you know the 1950s and a 13 year old female from like 2015 are yeah. gonna ha- have like varying, pretty probably different ideas of like capabilities mm-hmm. and like experiences. Yeah, that they could draw on for this. For being stuck in the wilderness. Yeah, and like, cause he, I mean, he drew on the Boy Scouts experience, but like, yeah, I don't. Like I said, he's. It's assumed he's like middle class. He's never mentioned being poor or being rich. Like, I think if someone from poverty would have a very different experience in the wilderness. But yeah, so I think that that is yeah. I, I guess a, a weak point of this book, but it's also it's coming from Gary Paulson, <laughs> like who was like this guy with this very I don't know this very very like complex background. So I'm not like saying. He didn't bring anything to this, but like, <laughs> um, you know, so th- like that's his, own- Gary Paulson is his own force of nature, if you will. Um, yeah. So that's just, I would want that out of a tale that would be told now in the current day and age. Yeah. Well, I also gave it an eight out of 10. Mm-hmm. So nice. Nice. I'm not going to lie. It would have been almost, I was like maybe even a nine. However, damn Gary Paulson, mm-hmm. you freaking. You went through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's surprising because I've read this book in an hour and a half, and like we have a lot to talk about. It's it's a it is surprisingly yeah. like layered, mm-hmm. and mostly because of the author, but like also, mm-hmm. you know, it's an interesting te- it is an interesting text. Wait, that reminds me of a different book that I read as a kid. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Do we want to move on? To- Do I want to move on to recommendations? Of course. Are you ready? Yeah. You already talked about one of your books that you need to find. <gasps> Did I find it in the first one? Let's see. It is. I re- this is the exact cover. Okay. The book I was thinking of is called The Trap by John E. Smelker. It was in the school, like, the classroom library. It was, a- But it was about a dude who got his leg stuck in a bear trap and, like, died. Oh, my God. Yeah. A grandfather gets stuck in a trap. And this, the seven- his 70-year-old grandson is, like, uh-oh, I don't know where my grandpa is. And he has to decide what to do. Wow. Oh, my God. So I guess I'd recommend that. I really don't remember much about it um, other than the plot. <laughs> and uh, my actual recommendation that I planned on giving is Good Seeds by Thomas Picor Wiso. Uh, he is an enrolled member of the Menominee Indian Nation of Wisconsin. And um, this is a food memoir. So it's several stories mm. about him growing up and the way they cooked and found food 
and like prepared it. So it's a lot of stories about his family and he compares a lot of it to like his current or like living life away from that community. And I found it just by like, I was on vacation in Northern Wisconsin and I just saw it on a bookshelf and I was like, oh my gosh, because actually one of the, the read harder challenges this year is uh, read a food memoir by an author of color. So that was kind of motivating, but this was a really nice short and sweet book. And it really like, was it was interesting because I'd read Hatchet a few days before, and this book really reminded me of it because it's a lot about you know how they um, hunt and fish and prepare food though the like most efficiently way possible and how mm. um, you know he harps a lot or not like he brings up the point a lot that in order to have culture and like fun and socialize and make music and have time for all that you need to have had your food first um, and that takes up a lot of time but also he talks about what it means in his culture and his family members and that's really nice so it was a really enjoyable read. It explores the things that, like, man interacting with nature. And, like, yeah. Obviously, then, with um, with this book, there's, like, a lot more history and stuff being told and culture around it. Reminds me of uh, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Mm. But that's not what I'm going to recommend. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I am going to recommend is, well, my first recommendation that I was going to recommend all along is Night by Eli Wiesel, which I'm pretty sure I've recommended before, which is a memoir by a Holocaust survivor, Eli Wiesel. And I think that just taps into the, like, you know, my guilty pleasure of like survivalist Mm -hmm. uh, reading. And then what ties into that is also Man's Search for a Meeting, which I think I've also recommended on the podcast by Viktor Frankl, which talks more about the psychology of surviving traumatic events and like how it changes one's mindset which you know mm-hmm. is briefly covered in hatchet so i was gonna rec- i i mean i was and am recommending those but then you also made me think of um a short story when you mentioned a man getting caught in a bear trap and dying <laughs> there's a short story called walking out by david kwanman and it is about a father and son who walk into the woods to go hunting it mentions a moose and the uh, to go God. hunting. And then the I think the son accidentally shoots his dad in the leg. Okay. And then it's another like, thing about the guns, you know? Oh, yeah. So that is what I would recommend. Yeah. But Laura, tell me what you are currently reading. Oh. And what you have read since we last talked. Oh, me? Yeah. I'm currently reading Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams for a book mm-hmm. club. Um, I'm also reading The Gin Falls in Love and Other Stories, which is an anthology. So there's several, several uh, authors. Um, because as you know, I love genie gin stories. So mm-hmm. that is very exciting because there's so many like powerhouse authors in that one. I'm excited nice. to finish that. But they're also like each their own story. So it's slower going because I need to like digest it after I've read it. Um, and since last time, I think I finished a separate piece and then read a bunch of books. So Gold Diggers by Sanjina Satyan, Outrun the Moon by Stacey Lee, The Hidden Palace by Helen Wecker, Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong, Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde, Grasshopper Jungle by Andrew Smith, Legend Born ah! by Yeah, tra- uh, Legend Born by Tracy Dion, Hatchet. I read The Red Mother by Elizabeth Bear, Good Seeds by Thomas P. Corwiso, and Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, which I actually finished Station Eleven just before we got on our call. <laughs> nice. Yeah, You're like put it in the queue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like on the last like 20 pages and i was like i'm gonna have to ask ellie to like pause because i need to finish this book i can't go into recording with 10 pages left dude i forgot that we both read grasshopper jungle yeah based on the one that yeah since last episode and uh 
Okay, I'm not going to lie. I think the book is intended for, like, adolescent audiences. Mm -hmm. And so then I think it works really well. But I think because I am not an adolescent, Mm -hmm. uh, I was expecting, like, a different kind of story. But it did have everything that Kate said it would have in it. Yeah. But to me, it was, was, like, pretty juvenile. Mm -hmm. But I did like it. But I, I think it was just not what I was originally wanting. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we talked a bit about the pacing. It was a little slow. Um, it took yeah. about like half the book to really pick up. Nice. I would really recommend Legendborn by Tracy Dion. That is very, very exciting. It's a like YA fantasy, um, but also like Black Girl Magic. Mm. It's very good. And I'm very excited. Um, the They announced the sequel for next year, 2022. So it's going to be very exciting. Well, since last time I read or I listened to Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin, Still the Mind by Alan Watts. Alan Watts is like a Buddhist. So I've been learning a little bit more about meditation. Um, on Earth, We Were Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. No One is Coming to Save Us by Stephanie Powell Watts, who uh, when we were doing Great Gatsby, one of our listeners... Luke hey. uh, suggested this book because I think it was a somewhat adapted version of The Great Gatsby, but with characters of color. Okay. I finally finished Too Much Soul by Cindy Wilson. Wouldn't recommend. Sorry. Grasshopper Jungle by Andrew Smith. Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. And then Witches, Sluts, Feminists by Kristen J. Soleil. Ooh. Maybe Soleil. I'm not really sure. I thought it was going to be a lot more activism but it was a little more like like social justice yeah i I thought it was gonna be a little more social justice but it was more like covering the topics of histories of witches and feminists and kind of a book of praise rather than like challenging the readers so i don't know but i would recommend it i thought it was good at the moment i'm currently listening to out of your mind by alan watts um i have still not been able to find the book David Tongue Can't Have a Girlfriend Unless He Gets Into an Ivy League College by Ed Lynn. And one day I will find it and I will read it mm. and finish it. But until then, it just lies dormant in the corner of my currently reading list. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading a leadership book that my manager got me called The New One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard and Spencer Johnson, who apparently is the author of who moved my cheese? <laughs> I'm just like, like that's what it says on the cover, and I'm like, uh, who moved? Is this supposed to be? I when it blurred. I thought it said who murdered my cheese, <laughs> which is honestly equally as intriguing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I also want to know that. I'm gonna speak a little ahead, and maybe future me will edit this out, but. I think this is going to be a good episode because one, it was pretty short. Yeah. But two, I think everything we said, like we had a lot to actually talk about. Yeah, I think so. Not saying that, okay, listeners, I'm not saying that our other episodes, we're not talking about anything. Yeah, those other ones, full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) We're just babbling, blah, 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 blah. But this one is the good stuff. I was, I was feeling it today, I have to say. (laughs) Thanks, Gary Paulson, for really wowing us with your traumatic life. Watching book talk, all of these tick talkers sometimes when mm-hmm. i can't say it i just say talk talkers when the talk talkers um when these tts <laughs> yeah like <laughs> talk about like the these little tts like sh- <laughs> i can't get through this 
like when they talk about like shadow and bone or whatever they have such yeah. well thought out and articulated arguments and theses and stuff and sometimes i'm like man so ours so are like uh, uh, who moved my cheese um <laughs> <laughs> that's true honestly i don't have the effort to do that we do this once a month i know and i'm always just like do i even have the mental strength to sum up to like no. summon a whole thought never no but i do think i think that motivated me a little bit in these in this analysis to like do it mm. so go future us Woo! i hope we did good pat yourselves on the backs or the booties pat yourself on the booty yeah <laughs> do it just do it <laughs> you deserve um, it yeah and then after you do that maybe connect us with us on uh via email or twitter how would they do that, Laura? Um, well, if you wanted to send an email, it would be to the following. Uh, reading, not reading at gmail.com. <laughs> the following single email. <laughs> I will spell that for you. R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. If you want to reach out on Twitter, uh, you would tweet us at the following. Read, not read pod. At sign, R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. And then after you pat yourself on the booty and connect with us <laughs> via email or Twitter, then you should head over to our bookshop. What's that about, Laura? Yeah, our bookshop link will bring you to an affiliate page on Bookshop. And if you shop in Bookshop in general, they support local bookstores with your purchases. But if you use our affiliate link, you also send us commissions with your purchases. And we can support our podcast because it, you know, it just sucks up like $10 a month so, or whatever it is. Yeah, our expenses are through the roof. Yeah. Mm, money, 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 money. It just sucks all this, all these finances up. And that link is going to be in our episode notes. And then, you know it. so here's, here's what's been done. But Pat. uh email slash tweet sent uh Mm. books bought via bookshop and then we have a website that (gasps) you should go to and that link will also be in the episode notes and what do you do on our website if you ever need to go there laura i don't freaking know i think you just listen to our sweet sweet podcast listen to us do blah 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 blows on other books such as the tale of despero the great gatsby Lord of the Flingo Flies. I don't remember. <laughs> Lord of the Flamingos. The Lord of know. the Flamingos. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I mean, I just talked about how I think this is a banger episode. Uh, one episode I always, I'm going to really toot our own horn yeah. here and say that another episode you should listen to is Tale of Despero. That's the last episode of season one. Yeah. So. To rehash. Butt Pat. <laughs> email slash Twitter. Bookshop. Our website and that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, so what do we do now, Laura? Uh, just butt pat out. Yeah, we butt pat out and say, see you next, see you next month. time. Will we read The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chabotsky? I don't know if that's how you say that <laughs> last name, but I hope it is because I really like it. I hope it's Chabotsky. Great. Excellent. With Logan Lerman. Just kidding. That was the movie, not the book. Emma Watson. <laughs> Ezra, Ezra Miller. Ah, uh. oh, we must have uh. Ezra Miller. <laughs> ah. Nice. Okay. Well, Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.